0: in 2 Chronicles chapter 25, 2 Chronicles chapter 25, and we're covering um, the reign of Amaziah, the reign of Amaziah, let's see here, you know as I was um, considering what we were going over this evening and the life of Amaziah, uh, I know that there are times when it seems reasonable and even logical uh, to choose to do something a specific way. But as we read the Word of God, perhaps in our devotional time, uh, time of just going through Scripture, we are confronted with the word of God, and we realize that it really wasn't the right thing to do. Have you ever, has that ever happened to you? you? You choose to do one thing one way, and you really do. You think it's logical. You think it's reasonable. You think it's the right thing to do. And then you're reading through scripture, and you realize that wasn't the right thing to do in the right way at the right time. In hindsight, what we originally thought was good was not. And may, in fact, have been disastrous if you were to have followed through with that. Or perhaps it was. You experienced what you thought was unexpected. But then there are other times when what we choose to do is in just plain, obvious rebellion against God. It is a clear rejection of His counsel. And if we continue down this path of being obstinate, stiff necked, prideful, delaying obedience, then this path, that we can walk down allows pride to set in and can even give us a sense of um, uh, of arrogance uh, of and we come across as being condescending we take courage in and of ourselves these are all things that are common to us right this is what I was thinking about. As I was looking at this chapter, 2 Chronicles chapter 25, and I was thinking of Amaziah, this is what we see in this man. This was, remember, this was the king of Judah. Such is the case with this man, Amaziah, king of Judah. Apparently, he didn't learn from his father, and he didn't learn from others that had gone before him, considering all of those who had fallen short, who had blundered. You know, it's a good thing for us to sometimes look at those who have gone before us, seeing their errors, and then learn from those errors. Their hindsight is our foresight. That's why it's important for us to take into consideration the things that we study, the things that we learn in Scripture, This is all for us. If we understand it, if we apply it to our lives, it becomes to us wisdom. It benefits us. Tonight, we'll learn more important lessons regarding the people of God and the path that we are to stay on. You know, these, uh, as I think, I believe I said on Sunday, you know, I I think about God's word and, and I you know, we have construction going on everywhere, don't we? Um, it happens on the freeway, like, at the worst times, right? You're going down the road, and you're like, why, why are they doing that now? <laughs> like, this is the worst. But when is there a good time now on the freeway? But they have these signs, right? Um, they have um, a, a truck that has this, um, this pad in the back that they lower down, so that way, if anyone any Knucklehead does not pay attention to what's in front of them. At least they hit that truck, and uh, and, it, and it provides some kind of um, protection for the rest of the workers, right, that are on the side of the road. But then they have all these signs. They they have CHP, uh, California Highway Patrol, if they're doing work on the side of the road, uh, on the freeway. Um, they have cones. They have signs. They have signs that are lit up. They have all kinds of things that are... Everyone's orange, right, or yellow. I mean, it's like, it's all there. But it's not to restrict those who are driving in a way that um, really is, is designed for them. Like, you can see all those signs. Can you imagine if all the drivers were going by going, I know that you meant that for me. You want me to be miserable on my, on my way to work. Lord." <laughs> It, it's it's not. Those signs and all those warnings are there for the safety of all so that you can get to your intended destination safely. You know, you look at Scripture and you look at all these things, the blunders of people, the sins that people committed. You look at all of this. and it's And it's not to be looked at as a bunch of rules and regulations. These are things that, man, the Lord just puts on us, you know, time and time. No, no. These are the ways in which, we can, in which we can stay on the straight and narrow. We can safely arrive home. And on our way, we can bless and honor him. We can bring him glory. We don't have to make the same errors as everyone else has. So it is tonight as we learn about Amaziah. There are important lessons regarding the people of God and the path that we're supposed to stay on. If we desire, listen, if we desire to please God and avoid his just discipline. If not, then unfortunately we deal with the circumstances. We deal with the consequences of our actions. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your patience. We thank you for your long-suffering. Oh, you are, you are able to save us. Lord, and you made it possible through Jesus Christ to completed, fulfilled your will perfectly by going to the cross and shedding his blood for us. Lord, I pray that we would also desire to fulfill your will, your plan for us. Teach us, Lord, how to do it in a way that honors you, that brings you glory, regardless of what we're faced with in this life. Help us, Lord, to learn how to navigate through all kinds of situations, Lord, that we would express an understanding of your word and not only honor you, proving that we belong to you, but also, Lord, encouraging others to walk in the same manner, to live life in the same manner. Lord, for in it, we have peace before you. We have the assurance of your very presence, Lord, and we know that we are walking uprightly before you. And so, Father, speak to us this evening through your word and by your spirit. Help us, Lord, to understand what's before us, and we commit this time of study into your hands we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 1. Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. And as soon as the royal power was firmly his, he killed his servants who had struck down the king, his father. But he did not put their children to death according to what is written in the law in the book of Moses where the Lord commanded, fathers shall not die because of their children nor children die because of their fathers. But each one shall die for his own sin. Well, Amaziah was not quite as young as his father was when he assumed the throne of uh, Judah. Uh, His father was... uh, well, he, he assumed the throne at the ripe old age of seven, right? He was not quite that young, he, but he was still young. He was 25 years old when Amaziah assumed reign over Judah. Nonetheless, he was also young in a few other areas. He was young in experience. He was young in spiritual maturity as well, and we'll see that. His father was described as having done what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as long as Jehoiada the priest was alive. You remember that. We went over that last week. And we know that after Jehoiada's death, Joash abandoned the Lord and didn't heed the warnings sent by God. You know, I had made mention of the fact that this reflects many people. Uh, that there are times in our lives when we are relying on the faith of someone else, whether it be a spouse, a parent, um, a friend, or someone else. And we can't do that. It has to be our own faith. And, And what proves that we are riding on the coattails of someone else's faith is when they're gone, let's say the Lord chooses to take them home. It completely destroys us. And we fail to continue walking with the Lord. You see, they were the ones that we were finding strength in, direction, purpose, instead of the Lord. Well, it was proven in Joe Ash's life that he was doing this with Jehoiada the priest. And we were told at the very beginning, just as we're told this evening as far as Amaziah is concerned. Amaziah is described as a king that did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. We need to pay attention to that. Yet not with a whole heart. What does that mean? You know, if if I were to ask the question right now, do you believe that you are following the Lord, are serving Him with your whole heart. I wonder what your answer would be and then what you would provide as proof of that. Not to me, but to the Lord. Because you see, Amaziah began his reign well. But we know that he will not end well. It's important for you is that you understand that what what an imperfect heart will lead to. We, We need to be forewarned. What will an imperfect heart lead to? That is a heart that is not fully surrendered to the lordship of God. Have you surrendered to the lordship of God in your life? If you find yourself saying no to the Lord, or not now, or maybe later, can I ask some more so that maybe you'll bend to my will? And he's, you haven't submitted to the Lordship of God. You can claim Him as Savior, but is He, is he your Lord? Oh, there is a difference. There's a big difference. You know, James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Again, this is, section of scripture that we can go to and we think well it's not it doesn't feel good to go through trials of course it doesn't feel good to go through trials and yet the lord promised us that we'll go through trials we'll go through tribulation we'll go through difficult times we'll be tested and tried and hopefully found proven the lord does it for specific reasons it's the work of sanctification as we are either consecrated unto him Or we are not. You know, the Apostle Paul was a man who knew this very well. He was a man that wrote this to the Philippians. In Philippians 4.11, he said, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned. In other words, this is implying that he didn't know this prior to. Coming into contact with and meeting the Lord face to face and realizing... Who he was prior to completely surrendering his life to Jesus Christ. He said, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Whatever situation. We will learn what a heart that is not completely set on doing the will of God will eventually lead to. You know, partial submission is no submission at all. Someone had told me on Sunday, it's very black and white, isn't it, Pastor? Said, yeah, it is black and white. It either either is or is not. You either are or you are not. That's what I love about walking with the Lord. I, I know where I stand with him and I know what what to do and and what pleases him. There's, there's no gray area. Well, he leaves it for you to figure out. No, he leaves it up to you to choose. That's what he does. Choose today whom you will serve. I'm so glad that he makes it abundantly clear what it is to walk with him and what it looks like to not walk with him. And we're going over that on Sunday mornings, aren't we? First John. The thing to see this evening is and, and learn is what it looks like. What A heart looks like that is not completely set on doing the will of God and what it will eventually lead to. I'll describe it to you this way. When you keep sections of your heart from God for your own reasons, whatever that that may be, I'll I'll let you into this portion of my life, but this one area I'm going to keep to myself. And our hearts are not completely given to the Lord. Well, verse 3, and we'll see how that works out. Verse 3 says, And as soon as the royal power was firmly his, he killed his servants who had struck down the king his father. But he did not put their children to death according to what was What is written in the law in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, Fathers shall not die because of their children, nor children die because of their fathers, but each one shall die for his own sin. As soon as Amaziah had established his court or his cabinet, his closest counselors and leaders, positioning trustworthy leaders over the kingdom, he ordered the men responsible for his father's death to be killed. And of course, as we look at this and we consider the day in which they lived in, this was both just and wise. The men who thought that it was okay to take matters into their own hands and go after his father and assassinate him is what they did. Well, not only did they do that, but they could also, because they did that, could not be trusted. And so Amaziah put them to death. If they did that to his father, perhaps they were willing to do that to him as well. And so he wanted to surround himself with with those whom he could trust. But at the same time, Amaziah avoided doing something that was common in that day. You you see, in that day when a, a king came into power, a new king assumed the throne... Of a nation, he would kill the previous families as far as if the, if the king was no longer around, he made sure that all of the family was killed and anyone who would threaten the throne. But this is not what Amaziah did. Even though he had these men killed, Amaziah observed Deuteronomy 24, 16, which is quoted here. Which says, "Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, or shall children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own sin." You know, we are responsible for our own sin. There comes a point in our lives to so where we assume responsibility and accountability for our own actions. Uh, for our children, there comes a time when they assume responsibility. They are accountable. We're not the ones that are going to be standing with them before God, answering for them. We won't be doing that, nor will they for us. Each one is accountable for their own sins. So much for generational sin, which is not biblical. We can talk about the effects of sin, but it's a sin of Adam. That was the original sin that was imputed into us. We were born with that sin, but at the same time, there is one who died for our sin. And each one will stand before God and give an account for themselves. Now, it's good that Amaziah, as we read this, Deuteronomy twenty four sixteen, this is the law of God, this is the law of Moses. It's good that Amaziah observed this, even though it was not popular to observe it, but, we will, but what we will see with Amaziah is, is an, instable, an instability in his person. You know, I see this, unfortunately, too, too often. An instability. Moments to where you can say, hmm, that's awesome. You know, they made the right decision. It, it looks like they, they um, chose to do something in obedience to God's word. But at the same time, there's an instability. There's not a consistency in their lives. And there should be a consistency. What we will see with Amaziah is instability in his person, a lack of spiritual consistency, which is a weakness and eventually will lead to a complete collapse, which it will. It did. Again, we see this noted at the very beginning, and we're giving some foresight to what's to come. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. Again, this is something for us to consider, for us to uh, perhaps understand how it is to uh, avoid and what it looks like so that we won't repeat the same mistakes that someone like Amaziah Verse 5, as we continue, says, Then Amaziah assembled the men of Judah and set them by father's houses under commanders of thousands and of hundreds for all Judah and Benjamin. He mustered those 20 years old and upward and found that they were 300,000 choice men, fit for war, able to handle spear and shield. He hired also 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. But a man of God came to him and said, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, with all these Ephraimites. But go, act, be strong for the battle. Why should you suppose that God will cast you down before the enemy? For God has the power to help or to cast down. So what we see there is how it is that Amaziah made all the preparations uh, militarily to attack Edom. He organized the 300,000 men of Judah, those who were of age, fit for war, and able to handle the weaponry. But he also hired 100,000 soldiers, you could say, a fortune from Israel to fight with them. Soldiers of fortune are men who are willing to fight for any group or any country that is willing to pay them. And these men, 100,000 men, were given 100 talents of silver. Um, If we were to translate that into um, our standard measure of, of weight, it would be pounds and it would be 7,500 pounds, and that would come out to, in today's dollars, $2.1 million. $2.1 million. (laughs) Sound like a lot? Sounds like a tremendous amount of money, right? Anyone do math real quick in their heads here? 2.1 million divided by 100,000. What does that come out to $21 $21 each. 20, 100000 Yeah, 100000 Yeah, Yeah. So... <laughs> 100000 So here's Amaziah, and he said, Hey, listen, I'll, I'll give you a hundred talents of silver. And he basically bought 100,000 men who were able... But these men were not doing it for the paycheck. Obviously, I mean, if someone gave you 20 bucks, hey, go go fight for me, right? Lay your life on the line. Would you be willing to do that? 20 bucks. Maybe 25, but not 20. So they obviously were not doing it for the paycheck. But were they... What they were looking forward to is a spoil. Oh, man. the spoil. Oh, that which we could accumulate, we could collect, we could gather. Oh, that's what they were excited about. The deal with the mercenaries of Israel had already been struck when a word of warning was sent by God to Amaziah. Oh, this man of God came. In verse 7, but a man of God came to him and said, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, with all these Ephraimites, but go, act, be strong for the battle. Why should you suppose that God will cast you down before the enemy? For God has power to help or to cast down. So he had already made the deal. And then here comes a man of God bringing a word of God and from God. The man of God gave clear instructions. Number one, do not let the army of Israel join you in battle. Not with you and with Judah. Do not. Secondly, do act. Be strong. Go into battle. In other words, continue on. Just don't bring them with you. Number three, in doing so, make sure that you do rely on God. He tells him very clearly he has the power to help the man of God gave clear warning hey listen God is not with Israel secondly God will cast you down with Israel the Lord will not hold back if Israel goes with you he has a power to help you but he also has the power to cast you down and he will cast you down don't let that happen Militarily speaking it made sense to amass a large army to fight against the Edomites, right? W- wouldn't that make sense? But to God it didn't make sense. It wasn't a part of his will. If their alliance was with people who are enemies of God, God was not in it. Even if they are God's people, they are his enemies when they choose when they chose to live in rebellion against him, idolatrous, immoral, and an utter compromise. James 4.4 applies to you and I. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. There is no one more able to help than God. Oh, what confidence a person can have. It's a humble confidence, because we know we don't trust in ourselves, we don't trust in anyone else. And so we draw close to the Lord and know that there's nothing too difficult for him to accomplish everything. He can open doors that no one can shut and shut doors that no one can open. There is no one more able to help than God. Do not trust in what is humanly or worldly, logical or reasonable in the place of trusting God and his word. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And Ephesians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy an empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Oh, well, there are some things that sometimes we look at and we think, that's logical, that's reasonable. That makes sense, right? And yet we need to be very careful. We need to make sure that What perhaps we're thinking is reasonable and logical and makes sense is not opposed to the will of God, what he desires for us. That's why I love going back to Isaiah 55, 8, and 9. I I look at that often. I consider it often, knowing that his, his thoughts are not my thoughts and his ways are not my ways. Oh, there's such a great big gap between them. And so I am in desperate need to go back to his word and consult with him and his word often not trusting in myself, because Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 well warns me to not trust in myself. We know that our heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it, right? He tries us and tests us so that our hearts would be revealed and that we may know what is right, what is pure, what is honorable, what is according to his word. He also tells us that This is our responsibility. This is something that we need to know. And it's all according to his word so that we may not be fooled by the deceptions of the philosophies of the world, the things that seem right to everyone else, and yet to the Lord, they are far from him, far from being true. Well, it sounds good, but on further inspection, as you test it against the word of God, it's not so good. Oh, brothers and sisters, we can be guilty of this. Perhaps we've made decisions here recently, considering ourselves and counseling with ourselves, not considering the word of God. Amaziah was given instructions and warnings according to God. What he did was logical. It was reasonable a thousand more men? Wouldn't this be good? No, not in the eyes of the Lord. He was building an alliance with a people who had been in a place of rebellion and were an offense to God. So the question for Amaziah is what, he, what will he do with that? It's always a question for you and I. What will we do with the word that we've been given by the Lord. Well, let's see as we continue. Verse 9 says, And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do about the hundred talents that I have given to the army of Israel? The man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Then Amaziah discharged the army that had come to him from Ephraim to go home again. And they became very angry with Judah and returned home in fierce anger. But Amaziah took courage and led out his people and went to the Valley of Salt and struck down 10,000 men of Seir. The men of Judah captured another 10,000 alive and took them to the top of a rock and threw them down from the top of the rock. And they were all dashed to pieces. But the men of the army whom Amaziah sent back, not letting them go with him to battle, raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to beth and struck down 3,000 people in them and took much spoil. So this question that Amaziah asked, it would be a common question. This is a a situation I think that we've all wrestled with, or if we haven't, we will at some point. I hope that we remember this moment with Amaziah and the man of God as, as Amaziah was given clear instructions and warnings by this man of God from the word of God, And he asked this question, but what shall we do about the hundred talents that I have given to the army of Israel? What do you mean by that? What what does it matter, right? You would think, what what does it matter? What matters? It, It mattered to Amaziah, and quite often it matters to you and I. The situation, well, after we've chosen to do something, it is revealed that it was the wrong decision. Or perhaps that we engaged in something that was actually wrong. It wasn't right. It was wrong. But Lord, what am I to do with this? I am deeply invested in it. The question is, how can we be invested? Well, in many ways, we can be invested in a situation financially, relationally, emotionally, socially, politically. I mean, we see this as far as relationships are concerned. Sometimes we, are, we, involves, we involve ourselves in relationships that are not good, that are not, not right. And we think, why doesn't that person now that they're, they're thinking clearly and straight, why don't they just leave? Because they're emotionally invested. Why does that person just leave that relationship, that, that professional relationship, while they're financially invested? And so it goes. Oh, well, people have said too much. might be reluctant to withdraw because of pride. And the question comes up, well, what if I'm deeply invested in this? Will it all be for a loss? Is it worth the loss? Apostle Paul said everything that he he had gained he considered to be rubbish. Not even worth mentioning. It's all trash. The man of God spoke what was true, you see. He told him with this question. He didn't didn't get frustrated with them. He gave him the answer. He said, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. We should always keep that in mind. When we're asking that question, but I've invested so much into this. I just hope that that situation will change or that person will change or just the circumstances will change. The Lord is saying, no, leave. Just remember that the Lord is able to restore what the locusts have eaten. It's not worth compromising for the sake of breaking your relationship with God in order to remain in that which you have personally invested in, whatever it may be. You must be willing to prove that you love God more than anything else and anyone else. Well, as we saw, as we read, Amaziah was willing to discharge the army of Israel and He sent them home. He did do this. Well, it's something else that Amaziah did that was that was good, right? But these people, hundred thousand warriors from Israel, they were filled with anger. They were enraged. And it only got worse as they were walking home, away from the battle. It only got worse. But Amaziah did trust the Lord for protection and provision and was willing to send them packing, being willing to lose out on a hundred talents of silver. And then Amaziah took courage. As we see here, he led the army of Judah against the Edomites. And lo and behold, he knew victory over the Edomites. Some commentators noted that there was no acknowledgement of God in this victory, though. And they followed through with this victory with excessive violence. I mean, as we read through there, they took them to the top of a rock, and these were 10,000 that they had captured and took alive, and they took them to the top of this rock and threw them down from the top of the rock, and they were all dashed to pieces. This, This is what Amaziah did as he led The army of Judah against the Edomites. For Amaziah, what he should have noted is the faithfulness of God. Oh, that word that was brought by the man of God was true. God is faithful and he's able and he gave us victory over the Edomites. Truly amazing and we give him all the glory. God is able, and he showed himself faithful to his word. And he does that time and time again. But in the meantime, as the army of Israel is going back home, they, in their anger, decided to raid and plunder the cities of Judah as they were going back. And they took the spoil of Judah's cities for their own personal enrichment. Like, well, if Amaziah is not going to allow us to go into battle, then surely we're going to take it anyway from their cities. And so they did. They raided and they plundered the cities of Judah. You see, there are times when we choose the right thing a little late. And we end up dealing with the consequences of our initial choice. This is what we see happen to Amaziah. Well, we took it a bit too far. Although we, did, we chose at that moment to confess and repent, to turn and, and walk away from that. Sometimes we still deal with the consequences. But as we deal with those consequences, we need to realize, we need to understand, we need to acknowledge that in that we still made the right decision. We just need to follow through with those consequences, remaining faithful to the Lord. His choice to rely on the army of Israel ended up impacting the nation of Judah. Even though he had withdrawn from the agreement and sent them away, we know that at the moment, according to 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But this does not mean that when sin is forg- forgiven, that we're not going to deal with some of the issues of our initial decisions, those things that we chose to do. You see, we reap what we sow. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Even in the midst of reaping what you sow, know that God is faithful. Oh, this is the work of sanctification. We learn from those mistakes, and perhaps in the future, if we're faced with the same circumstances, we won't make the same decisions. We'll do something different. This is also discipline. This is also a moment to teach, to learn. Verse 14, let's continue. After Amaziah came from striking down the Edomites, he brought the gods of the men of Seir and set them up as his gods and worshiped them, making offerings to them. Therefore the Lord was angry with Amaziah and sent to him a prophet who said to him, "'Why have you sought the gods of a people who did not deliver their own people from your hand?' But as he was speaking, the king said to him, Have we made you a royal counselor? Stop. Why should you be struck down? So the prophet stopped, but said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not listened to my counsel. Is not what Amaziah did odd? After all this. After God gives Amaziah victory over the Edomites, as was spoken by the man of God, Amaziah had took took these idols that the Edomites would use to worship. These were their idols, their, their gods. He took them. He put them up as his gods, and worship them going as far as even making offerings to them the lord provides in protection yet we can do the same thing not being willing to make offerings to god but are more willing to make sacrificial and regular offerings to the gods of this world for the sake of fulfilling fleshly desires but in reality we are deceived Oh, the manner in which the Lord can bless us, we can take those things that the world worships and lifts up on high and praises. And we ourselves can find ourselves worshiping and seeking comfort and contentment in the same things. We end up taking the things of the world and setting them up as our own idols, our own gods. does seem odd what Amaziah did but keep in mind this is a result of a heart that is not fully surrendered to God governed only in the territories allowed to and not in the territories that have been withdrawn from God Proverbs 14 12 says there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is a way to death but We are to submit to God with our whole heart, completely surrendered to Him. Mark 12.30 says, and Jesus speaking says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. But notice what God does. This is important for us to, to note. Therefore the Lord was angry with Amaziah and sent him a prophet he was angry with him but and he didn't have to he sent to him a a prophet what was the purpose of this prophet to point out amaziah's foolishness what is this expressing as far as god is concerned well it's expressing his mercy and long-suffering even in this moment, he was willing to send someone to tell him, this is foolish, Amaziah. What you're doing is not right. Think about this, Amaziah. The gods that couldn't help the Edomites against you are what you're trusting in and worshiping right now and even willing to, to, to give offerings to. Think about that. But in the midst In in the midst of the prophet telling Amaziah these things, Amaziah was already filled with pride. And he interrupted the man sent by God, smugly dismissed his words, and then threatened him. The prophet did stop at that point. But not before declaring that God had determined to destroy him because he had not listened to God's counsel. No, this is what's going to happen. Uh, it's, he stopped, but but said, I, "I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not listened to my counsel." Well, there are times when, again, we're the ones that can interrupt what is bring, being brought forth to us, and then and then we 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 either read it for ourselves or we have someone tell us that this is what is true, this is what is right, and we say, "Stop." I don't want to hear. I do not want to hear a thing that you're saying. And Sometimes we may not see, say that outwardly, verbally, but we express that inwardly by you have no intentions of doing anything according to what you were just told. I didn't care Obviously, he could not care less. Talk about being indifferent, and he completely dismissed him. He was full of himself, prideful. He was arrogant. Verse 17, then Amaziah, king of Judah, took counsel and sent to Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, son of Jehus, king of Israel, saying, come, let us look one another in the face. And then Joash, the king of Israel, sent word to Amaziah, king of Judah, a thistle on Lebanon, sent to a cedar on Lebanon saying give your daughter to my son for a wife and a wild beast of Lebanon passed by and trampled down the thistle you say see I have struck down Edom and your heart has lifted you up in boastfulness but now stay at home why should you provoke trouble so that you fall you and Judah with you oh biting words right It's interesting, though, as we began there, Amaziah wasn't willing to take counsel from the the man of God, from the prophet of God, who brought the word of God, but he did take counsel from his own men, decided to make war with Israel, and sent word to Israel, letting them know of his intentions. Come let us look one another in the face is, is not a friendly gesture. Come on, put them up. It's time to fight. Uh, This was in retaliation for what the army of Israel had done to Judah on their way back home. Amaziah, well, he thought that it would be prudent for the king of Israel to consider the the show of force of Judah, evidenced by the recent victory over Edom. And then, of course, because of that, they would concede and submit to the authority of Judah. Judah. You know, Sun Tzu said this, quote, If he is secure at all points, be prepared for him. If he is in superior strength, evade him. And perhaps Amaziah believed he was in superior strength, in a superior position in all points. In numbers, armor, weaponry, ability, but at the same time he was dismissing the word of God. And how God can determine to bring about judgment through the weakest of vessels. You see, God's strength is unmatched. And he had already told him, you're about to be broken. And he did not heed that warning. Even Joash, the king of Israel, warned Amaziah, telling him that his heart had become prideful. Just because he knew victory over Edom, and he warned him that Judah would fall with him if he does come against Israel. He said, Both, both you and Judah, why, why would you come against me and then fall, you and Judah, together? Now, did God intervene? He did. His intervention? He first of all sent the man of God, don't bring Israel with you to battle. Number two, he sent the prophet of God to tell Amaziah to reveal his foolishness. Yeah, he intervened. He warned. But since he was rejected, that is, since God was rejected, he allowed and even gave Amaziah over to a humiliating defeat at the hand of a dismal army. That's what God is willing to do. Verse 20, says, but Amaziah would not listen, for it was of God, in order that he might give them into the hand of their enemies, because they had sought the gods of Edom. So Joash, king of Israel, went up, and he and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another in battle at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his home. And Joash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh and brought him to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem for 400 cubits from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate. And he seized all the gold and silver and all the vessels that were found in the house of God in the care of Obed-Edom. He seized also the treasuries of the king's house, also hostages, and he returned to Samaria. Well, not only did Israel defeat Judah, but Amaziah was captured and he was held as a prisoner Probably until the death of Joash, the king of Israel. And in this battle, Israel destroyed Judah's defenses, took their gold, silver, as well as took these hostages. Talk about a plunder. He took it all. And then he destroyed. Uh, what he did was he, he weakened their defenses as well, broke down their fortress. Amaziah's decision to follow through was something that the Lord was clearly against It brought about consequences that affected the nation as a whole as well as the individuals that made up that whole. Adam Clark said this, quote, The quarrel of Amaziah was certainly just, yet he was put to the rout. He did meddle to his hurt. He fell, and Judah fell with him, as Jehoash had said, close quote. Listen, Thinking of how it is that as leaders, this is something that we should should note. Leaders should know that decisions impact more than you can ever imagine. It's not just the individual, but potentially all who are under their care, close in relationship, and many, many, many who are simply observing. Take note of that because it's not just sometimes we just look to the leaders. But listen, you have great influence over many people. Your decisions can also do the very same thing. It doesn't just affect the person perhaps, but many others. And then others that are just simply watching Well, Amaziah did not heed the warning. In fact, even the word that was given to Joash, he did not heed. And so he he experienced this humiliating defeat and was taken captive. And everything was taken from Judah. Verse 25 says, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Joash. Uh, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. Now, the rest of the deeds of Amaziah from first to last, are they not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? From the time when he turned away from the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent after him to Lachish and put him to death there. And they brought him upon horses, and he was buried with his fathers in the city of David. This man turned his back on God experienced again a humiliating defeat, taken prisoner and lived the rest of his life on the lamb. on the run, in Lachish. This is significant because the city of Lachish was the first city in Judah to give themselves completely to idolatry. What a fitting place for a man who had turned his back on the Lord to run to Lachish and to find some kind of uh, protection there in the midst of all the idolatry that was happening. But of course, there's no place that he can hide, that the judgment of, of the Lord will not come and confront us. At the same time, we need to understand that there's no place that we can go that God cannot find us and save us from. The man who forsook the Lord was forsaken by all. He lived a condemned life, never repenting and turning back to God, the one who had given him provision and victory, and ample instruction and warning. He should have known, maybe he did, but his heart was lifted and refused to surrender completely to the Lordship of God. That's most miserable of all to have a seared conscience, to get to the point to where no matter how much warning, how much the Lord sends our way as far as his word is concerned, that we are not willing to open up our hearts to him and understand how much he loves us. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. An incomplete surrender to God will always lead a person to compromise, rebellion, and eventual destruction if we do not confess and repent. God desires that no one should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This is what he desired even of Amaziah, and yet Amaziah was unwilling to do that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 again, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And finally this. Instead instead of having an incomplete, a whole heart toward the Lord, we ought to have this. In Mark 12.30 it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. He should be as he rightfully should be, not only our Savior, but our Lord. We bow to him. We are governed by him. May there be no place in our lives that we are keeping from him. May all territories of our lives be completely subjected to him and submitted to his Lordship. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that you do give ample warning You give instruction. Oh, Lord, you you tell us that if we draw near to you, that you will draw near to us. How it is that you love us with an everlasting love. Father, I thank you, Lord, that even in what we just read and studied this evening, Lord, that we would perhaps take something from this. Or perhaps confessing something to you, an area of our lives that was not completely given, given to you, that it would be. Being better for having heard your word and and Lord, learning and understanding what your word says and applying it to our lives. And so, Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your instruction And thank you also for your warnings. Father, forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Fill us with your spirit. And give us your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.